This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Austin. Got another great episode coming at you all this week. Had the privilege, the honor this week, uh, of sitting down and having a conversation uh, with with Chris Dutch Moyer. Uh, if you guys don't know Dutch, he is a 26-plus year uh, Army Special Operations vet, uh, a man who's done a whole bunch of different things. Um, we had a really great conversation. We get into all kinds of stuff around training, uh, training mindset. I guess you could say we kind of get into some politics just a little bit. Um, a lot of talk about training and social media and, uh, and Dutch runs his own, uh, training company now. Uh, so we get into that. We, we talk about honestly a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but honestly, one of the best conversations I've had, I know I say that about all my guests, uh, and I, I'll probably continue to say it just cause I'm blessed to, to network and connect with some truly outstanding and amazing individuals. Um, but just being honest and I told I told Dutch this too. I was just very nervous for this uh, interview, this discussion, because of everything that he's done and 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 does do. Um, but it was great, uh, outstanding discussion. He's a he's a fellow uh, bourbon enthusiast, much like myself and and Trevor here at the Prepared Mindset. So uh, had some really really good conversations, some some conversations uh, offline, things like that. Uh, I just super thrilled to be able to connect with him. Uh, I've been in the works with this for a couple weeks now. He's very busy, uh, running classes and things like that. So we finally found a time we could carve out, um, and, uh, and have a conversation. So before I jump into all of that and let you guys hear my, my conversation with Dutch, uh, as always here, I need to say thank you to our presenting sponsors for the prepared mindset. First, as always is eclipseholsters.com. Guys, rule number one of carrying a firearm is have a good, a good holster. Not a decent holster, not an okay holster. You need to have a good holster. Something that protects the trigger and retains the weapon. Eclipseholsters.com. Guys, that's what we carry with here. The whole team has them. We love them. Great, great quality holsters. They gave us the code PREPAREDMINDSET to share with you all, which is going to knock 20% off of your order. That's a fifth off of your overall order. Think about that. It's a lot. But if you spend over 100 bucks, so maybe you buy a holster and a mag carrier, maybe you throw in a dump tray, a tourniquet carrier, right? Anything over 100 bucks, you qualify for free FedEx shipping, which is outstanding. No no hate on the USPS, but they're not quite up to snuff these days. Um, <clears throat> so EclipseHolsters.com, making terrific products, is actually just talking with, uh, with Braden over at Eclipse. Uh, the contact for their uh, ambassador team. They got some really cool stuff in the works. Uh, super thrilled. Super thrilled to be working with them. Again, our code prepared mindset is going to save you 20% off your order. Head over to eclipseholsters.com. Pick up what you all need today. Let them help you guys out. Also, mymedic.com. Guys, if you are carrying a gun, carrying a firearm, whether it's for hunting, for self-defense, uh, on the job, whatever the case may be, you have the ability to create holes and you need to have the ability to plug holes. I'm going to keep saying that because it never gets old. <laughs> um, but you need to have medical supplies on you, right? Hell, even if you don't carry a gun, have medical supplies on you. Head over to mymedic.com. Let them hook you up. They gave you the discount code, Mindset20. 
All right. And I say that because we don't use that discount code. You guys use that discount code. Save yourself some cash. Head over to mymedic.com. Use mindset 20. Save 20% off your order. Again, a fifth off of your order. They're, they're also an affiliate partner, honestly. So if you guys go through our link tree, our offers page on our Facebook, uh, you still get to use mindset 20 to save 20% off. Uh, but a little piece of what you spend will end up coming back and helping support what the prepared mindset team is doing. Whether you need a tourniquet, a whole IFAC, uh, maybe you just need some tough skin, uh, whatever you need, right? They got pieces, they got whole kits, and all of their stuff, all everything they sell, it comes with free educational content so that you guys are not only well-equipped, but well-informed, and you are an asset to any situation you may come across, and that is huge. Again, Mindset20 for MyMedic.com. If you guys are over in our offer section, check out our link tree. We're also affiliate partners with dryfiremag.com. Guys, ammo is expensive right now. We all know it. It's hard to come across. It's expensive as hell. Pick up a dry fire mag for your Glock, your MP, God forbid your XD, your P320. All right. Get a dry fire mag and start saving yourself some money and increasing your dry fire time. All right. Until ammo comes back down to pre COVID levels. It just makes sense. Honestly, uh, they're about 100 bucks, right? So pre-COVID, you're looking at maybe 10 boxes of 9 mil, right? It's maybe 500 rounds, which I definitely paid for at least 100 times over by now. Today's rates, where you're paying $30 a box in the stores, um, that's about 150 rounds, and you're definitely going to make up for that. Uh, We don't have a discount code for you, but it doesn't matter. It's a great product, you guys. It It's something that's going to help you get better. And you can dry practice in your home, in your basement, your garage, your bedroom, wherever. Observe the safety rules, obviously. Uh, but it's a great, great tool that's going to help you guys get that audible and tactile response and help you make the most of your dry practice. Use our affiliate link. Again, dryfiremag.com, a great partner of us here at The Prepared Mindset. All right, enough of that. We are done. Uh, Without any further ado, folks, I'm going to get us over into my conversation with Dutch Moyer. I hope you guys enjoy. Hello, sir. Thank you so much for making the time to come on. Um, uh, Honestly, I'm I'm, I'm nervous. I'm kind of intimidated, man. Well, that's silly. Well, (laughs) you know, and uh, I'll be honest with you. I am nervous and intimidated with almost every new guest I bring on. Um, So... Uh, not to take away from, from you or anything. I just, um, I know you do a lot of stuff. You've done a lot of stuff. Um, I'm really excited to talk. So, uh, yeah, I think this will be, this will be pretty good. No, bad at a bum. I appreciate it. Thanks for asking me to come on. Thanks for having me come on. Um, uh, intros, you know, I'm, I'm, I am Dutch Chris Moyer. So, uh, there's actually, it's funny when I say I am Dutch Chris Moyer because <laughs> this is my third social media platform thing I've been on uh, in my history because the other ones have been removed uh, because of hacking. So oh, that sucks. Yeah. So people were pretending to be me. So that was a lot of fun. Um, 31 years in the United States Army, 26 in Special Operations Command. Uh, I was a United States Army Ranger for a while in Savannah. Uh, first of the 75th Ranger Regiment, and then uh, moved up to JSOC as a as an operator, and uh, have had a great, fantastic career. And, um, and now, DCM Consulting is the give back. You know, it's the 
hey, you know, just I not only do I want to keep working and do I want to make money? Sure I do, but it's, uh, it's not completely about that for sure. And I want to give back to law enforcement and military folks that, uh, I will tell you when, when the contracting thing first started, we were still in the height of combat without a doubt. And you'd see on the screen, you know, guys are being hired for this or that. And we would look at each other and go, that's, that's skill level two, that's skill level one. These, these sergeants should be training these young men, you know, sergeants and staff sergeants. And then finally, of course, sergeant first classes should be teaching these guys. So it was kind of a funny thing. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, in the end, that's me. It's a nutshell. Training is what I do. I, I travel, I train and, and uh, continue to hopefully make uh, Americans better especially those guys that are going on a battlefield, whether it's uh, law enforcement, local stuff uh, or state. Uh, and then uh, obviously military folks as well. well. So, yeah. So you're teaching then not only like civilian classes, like we see a lot of guys doing, but you actually, you actually work with active military units today. I still, yeah, I sure do. So the biggest thing for me is that in my evolution, if you want to call it that, uh, the convoluted evolution of what I've been through. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to be the guy teaching open enrollment for civilians. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't. Because if you, because <laughs> if you look at the, if you look at the, uh, how do I put it? If you look at the, the video from the guy who did the work in El Paso at the Walmart or the, the cat in the same week was uh, the guys in Toledo. And I didn't see a whole lot of that one, but kid in Walmart, he was trained by somebody and he lost his mind obviously and did what he did. Um, but it's, it's a funny thing, you know, I, so somewhere in there, do I want to be the guy who trains the dude who gets on an airplane and smashes it into the twin towers? Right. Somebody did that. Right. And I don't, I don't, you hear the monkey in the background. I do. I do. Yeah, Mine are upstairs. <laughs> that's a dog. Um, and uh, are you, are you going to edit this later? <laughs> oh, now we're going to leave it in. My dogs make okay. weird noises in the videos all the time. It's great. <laughs> cool. I think that one wants to eat it. Yeah, it's probably trying to get in. It's trying to leave me. It's had enough fun. It's wanting to go. Uh, so, yeah, someone trained those folks to fly those airplanes in there. Somebody's going to do that stuff. It, it's a chance you take, obviously. You know, it always comes back to what would you rather have? Would you rather have dangerous uh, freedom or a uh, – what? how's the quote go? It's a dangerous freedom or it's a uh, – I can never remember that. Um, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a, it, I want dangerous freedom. Uh, but – uh, you know, I want to make sure that we're teaching the right people the right things. No, so I, long, story, agree, long yeah. story short, yeah, this is my first full year as uh, I've been on the Army since 2013, but and I worked for the government for a while in different agencies, but this is my first full year as an open enrollment uh, calendar. Um, so we'll see uh, how it goes. Right so now, you, it's not that good. How did, how, <laughs> did I, how did you end up knowing that, you know, that, I mean, you already talked about giving back and everything, but was there maybe like a catalyst moment or something that just uh, made you know, right. That after I'm done in the military um, with everything I've, I've done and seen, I want to go train. Um, was there like that aha moment or is it just something that you just knew for a long time in, in your heart, right. That this is, this is a great thing. And then this needs to be shared with people. No, that's a great question. First and foremost, first and foremost, in 12, when I was getting out, I figured, you know, I'm going to, I have to get an LLC. I have to 
Uh, you hear me okay, right? Yep, I got you. Uh, somehow it was different. Um, um, I know I needed to get an LLC, and I needed to get involved in something else. You know, I wasn't dead. I'm certainly not dead. I'm, I'm, when I retired, I was 50, uh, 50 years old. I've been out since so of 49, I guess. Um, so I thought I would never carry a rifle with me again. And this is the, uh, I've referenced this before. There was a, there's a song by a blues artist named Joe Bonamassa called Black Lung Heartache in which the man in the song that he describes carries around his hammer like keys to a jail. He can't get away from it because that's his profession. And to me, my rifle, my pistol, my kit were, were keys to the same jail at the same time. You know, I tried to do something else and I realized that I have to go back to my strengths and immediately started training uh, other federal government folks and thought that uh, this wasn't the way either. So I got away from that particular agency and then started training military and, and law enforcement officers, some pro bono, a whole lot pro bono, actually, Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, I met. I've made families out of some of these places I've been to over and over again. Sure. And, and now, you know, now open enrollment and, and see how it goes from there. But yeah, the, the aha moment was, dude, this is not who you are. You're not. So here's what I wanted to do. <laughs> so in 12, I said, well, I'm going to create a off-road shop and become an off-road racer. Okay. And, and I did that uh, for a tiny amount of time. And I've referenced this too many times that, if you want to make a million dollars in that business, you got to start off with 2 million because oh, it, I'm telling you, man, I spent a lot of money and I just, you know, I had a guy, a partner has some land. We, we, we modified trucks. And then we took these trucks uh, far away. I'm, I live on the Eastern seaboard. So it's not really convenient that the best racing is the score international and high desert racing association out in texas and then obviously uh, new mexico arizona yeah out west. And, and scores all out west arizona california so you know baja uh so we had to trailer that thing and you know there's logistical issues in, in place i'm sure it was course, a nightmare yeah yeah and once you drive it you just really you break it you drive it hard you break it you gotta you gotta break it you gotta put it back on a trailer come back and fix it again and mm-hmm. and this goes on and on and on and so I said, I should probably go back to my strengths. Um, not only did I want to, but I really, I really enjoyed training people up and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't uh, BJ Baldwin. I wasn't Robbie Gordon. I wasn't the McMillan brothers. Uh, I didn't have a giant amount of money to spend on off-road racing, nor mm-hmm. was I that good at it. So, you know, I, did I take some off-road classes? Oh yeah, that was cool. But you know what, it's just like, like sort of like when, when we uh, as civilians go, to a uh, like jujitsu uh, or a hand to hand combat, Krav Maga, whatever you, yeah. you you know just enough to get your ass kicked, <laughs> and pretty much I knew just enough of off road driving to to just break stuff, and I didn't I really didn't I wasn't good at it, man. So in the end, hey, I went back to my strengths, and then this is really where you know this yeah. is where the this is where That's... the man put me. This is where the man put me in the first place, right? That God said, "Hey, this is what you need to do." So this is what I do. So And that's awesome though. I mean, you, you tried something else, right? I know a lot of guys um don't even have the I guess the gumption, right, or the nerve to even take that step and at least experience something outside the comfort zone. I think that's awesome. And I know um I don't know if 
uh, I follow Mike Glover on uh, social media. I know he's yeah, doing yeah. much the same thing right now with rally racing. And I remember listening to a couple of his podcasts and I'm like, oh, cool update. And he's like, yeah, we broke again. So as you're, you're telling that, I'm like, ah, oh, man, he'll, he, and I think he just finished his first race. I'm like, he'll get there someday. It's yeah. I saw some of that. He did real mm-hmm. well. And, uh, I'd love to talk to him about that. We knew each other uh, for a small amount of time, but, uh, I'd love to get back together with him and talk to him about all this stuff. But now, yeah, he has much, he has much more of a fiefdom in place now. You know, he has, he has <laughs> real, he has real. Uh, yeah. He's, he's got a following tang- and tangible and, assets, right? And yeah, resources. I'm, yeah. To throw at it. I'm a nobody. So he is, a- he is really good. I will, I will shout out Mike on this. He's great about thanking his sponsors. He's made it really well known that he didn't do it on his own. And I think that's really cool. And he's a, honestly, he's a, he's just a good dude. I mean, he's just a great, he's a great guy. So that yeah, helps he's, obviously when, you, when you're solid, you know, you're a solid person. Yeah, he's been a big inspiration for me and he does a lot of great, great stuff. But, um, getting back to you here. <laughs> um, so talking about training, right. And, and you had a long career before you were training focused, right. Like you are today. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the differences that you saw? I mean, in, in training, um, when you were first getting into the military versus what you're seeing now, you know, I mean, aside completely from the de- developments of, you know, technology and things, um, I just feel like we know so much more about, uh, shooting and tactics, um, and just, and teaching in general, right. Uh, to be more effective when we're approaching things, even as simple as, you know, isosceles stance versus equilateral and, uh, why that works better, why it doesn't work, things like that. It should, right? I think it should. We should. The market is flooded. You and I both watch this kind of thing, so we know that the market is flooded. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty of dudes out there that have no experience in a paint versus paint. You know, one on one. How many of those guys out there have been shot at? Um, Not there a was, ton. I just saw a meme about uh, Val Kilmer shooting his rifle in the the movie Heat, and yep. he said, "Oh, Rangers and Marines, we we they." If, if you didn't know this about Heat, um, Val Kilmer and his mag changes were unbelievable, and Marines and Rangers used that as a training. T- and I'm like, okay, who, where uh, do you think where do you think he learned it from? Where do you yeah. think he learned it from? Right. So whether it was a SF guy, Ranger, Marine. Who cares, right? Navy SEAL, whatever. He learned it from somebody else. Oh, and by the way, somebody also mentioned in the in the comments was uh, something like, you know, dry fire is the way to go, and this is what happens. And the other. But here's another thing. He wasn't being shot at. True. True. It's a movie. His life, his life was not in danger, nor were his mates uh, that he's grown up with and became a team with, et cetera. Here's a, a couple of actors. Some of them he knows pretty well. Some of them probably drank with. Some he doesn't. I don't know. But he's not, he's not in a life or death situation, and that changes everything. And on top of that, uh, post-production can do anything for you. <laughs> yeah, it fixes a lot of those mistakes. <laughs> anything can be fixed. It's pretty post, convenient. Right? Yeah, it's very cool. So, but, but it is interesting. And, and, and uh, another guy, uh, uh, a guy from Spain just asked me the other day, what has changed in training? why is training not as good as it used to be or something like that? He said, I'm, I'm because people don't do it enough. People don't do it enough. I just saw yep. another, another video, uh, guys in Reno, which some of the guys in Reno are trained pretty well, but it's talked about the patrol officers. were not uh, versed in CQB. Okay. 
CQB. Yep. A lot of I just mentioned this the other day. I, a lot of constabulars don't like the word CQB. They they think it's it's too military. They think it's too sensitive. You can't say close quarter battle. Hey, yeah. if you get out of your patrol car and you make face to face with a perp or a would be perp, that's close quarters. Now, if indeed you do battle with him, that's close quarter battle right now. Bam. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand the the, the whole the umbrella of the term close quarter battle means how to assault an objective, how to, mm-hmm. how to right. stack, how to clear, how to continue the, you know, to clear the objective, blah, 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 of these people, these things, uh, to gather information and, or save the, the hostage, etc. But patrolmen, everyone needs to know close quarter battle. So that's, uh, but back to your question, uh, and I'm going to ask you to, to reiterate a little bit of it, but so, uh, kit, now you mentioned uh, offline, we mentioned, you know, does kit change things? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and no, it doesn't. Um, a good friend of mine the other day talked about the uh, the low power variable optic acronym, LVO. Mm-hmm. That's okay. and it's so popular these days. Everyone, I think you, you look on Instagram, you look on social media, right? And and, and totally guilty myself of doing the, using the hashtag and everything. Everyone's all down with the LPVOs and, uh, you know, recce <laughs> rifle and it's really cool. And it is like, I mean, personally it looks sexy. It's a great platform. Like it's a cool concept. It's, but I, I think it's, it's just been made popular and that's why I go, you know, dudes go run out and they buy it now without actually knowing the applications, the limitations, understanding what goes into actually using something like that. You know, it's not just a, Hey, this gives me a better sight picture and I zoom in and I pull the trigger and it works. Like there's a whole lot more that goes with that. Well, the whole thing was that, you know, uh, Mike is, is his name and he was like, Hey, this is a stupid acronym. It's dumb. Anyway, low powered variable optic or, L- you know, I, I didn't even, I couldn't even say LPBO. It was like jacking me up. Like it was like LVPO, <laughs> LPBO. So anyway, it's just funny that a thing doesn't change the basics of what we need to do to be able to make sure we can pull the trigger and hit the target that LPVO or none of it, that, that that doesn't make a difference. What are your fundamentals? How often are you doing the fundamentals? Mike Pannone and I, uh, we both agree uh, guys like Robert Keller. We agree that there is nothing magical about any of it. The problem is, so look, let's go to Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell, right? Uh, 10,000 hours to be an expert. I submit to you that I'm well past the 10,000 hours. So it's, it's like the Michael Jordan when he showed up, uh, you know, he starts throwing free throws. It's like Tom Brady. He, how many snaps did he take long before there was ever, uh, ever a game? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fundamentals, a uh, great friend of mine, I was in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. He's a SWAT guy. He said, hey, Dutch, show me something cool. I said, I don't think I have anything cool to show you. <laughs> I said, you but if you do this stuff like I ask you to thousands of times, it'll look pretty cool when you do it, too. It really will. You know, when there's a lot of guys out there, super fantastic. You know, the splits are in the underneath a, a quarter of a second. You know, they're in the 18s, the 19s, the 17s. That's awesome when they do a El Prez and they get their splits in the in the teens. That's exactly what you want, right? So, but how did he get there? He got there through dry fire and he got there through constant practice over and over and over again. So again, so if we can go back to the initial part of the question, mm-hmm. training only starts, first of all, it starts with the mind. I talk about this gunfighter mindset all the time. 
how many people do you know that say they train and then what they put a, they strap a gun on their, their hip or their, they put it in the appendix or wherever they take it, their purse, mm-hmm. but they don't know anything about it. They don't know how, a, how the hammer strikes the firing pin. They don't know how the striker strikes the primer. They don't know anything about the primer. They don't know anything about the powder. They don't know anything about the projectile. They don't know what grains mean. They don't know how the weapon works itself. They don't understand the gas, you know, when you uh, over and over again, now, even you, yeah. I would ask uh, intermediate shooters to come to my class and I'll say, Hey, intermediate, okay. Intermediate, whatever that means. Right. Cause again, one man's intermediate may mean one man's beginner or advanced. Yep. It's all real subjective. It all subjective. And so, you know, are you zeroed? Oh yeah. Everybody's zeroed. But then when we do, uh, you know, a 75, 85, hundred meter shots, Nobody can hit the, the 10 inch plate. Okay. Well, you're not zeroed most likely. So, you know, you go through this whole process of what should be trained. Oh, you got some really cool kit though. You got a cool LPVO. You got yep. some, some badass uh, laser beams and maybe you got an EOTech with a three bar or you got a, some great stuff from vortex or whatever it might be, whatever. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If you don't know how to use it, if you don't work with it, if you don't train with it, then you are not utilizing your own brain power to figure this whole thing out. Uh, other past acquaintances of mine, but I'm a man uh, and I like manly things. And I love the miracle of the internal combustion engine and cars, yeah. Mo- oh, yeah. you know, motorcycles. It's I, all good. Dude, I, I love my lawnmower. I know how it works. <laughs> so when it falls apart, <clears throat> I can diagnose some of the issues with it, right? I didn't go to, I didn't go to lawnmower school. I didn't go to, um, I didn't, I wasn't an ASC certified master technician. And and you don't even necessarily need to be with a lot of it just to know enough to be, you know, know enough to, to get by in a lot of instances is a lot more than a lot of folks, you know, working on two stroke motors or even your own vehicle, which is a rapidly perishing skill in society today. A lot of guys can't do it. A lot of people can't do it. If you ask somebody to change their own brakes, how they change their own oil, Hey, the car won't start. Where do you start looking? No clue. I mean, it gets harder, right? Because everything's more electrical now. But like, you at least know. Hey, check the starter, battery connections. You know, uh, wiggle the the plug wires. I mean, there's a number of things you you learn to go through. Like sometimes it's something easy, and you can make yeah. it work. Without a doubt, you, your your <clears> comments <throat> are so valid. There are so many things now. Even some of the ASC certified guys that I know are like, "Holy crap!" They get so more. They're so much more complicated than it used <laughs> yep. to be. And uh, you know, damn, I just want it to be better. But um, it's uh, is what it is, man. Here we have become, and we're spinning off into irrelevancy, sir. But maybe no, not irrelevancy. But yeah, but but we have become so comfortable with what I want shows up at my door what I need, the guy can fix, uh, what I need to buy, eat, survive with. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody will tell me. I'll find it on YouTube. Um, at least at least some of these cats find it on YouTube and they can learn themselves. But for the love of everything that's holy, you know, you, they don't know how the system works. If you're carrying around a gun, it's a life-saving piece of equipment yeah. or, or life-taking. It's the same thing with uh, mountain climbing or whatever else. If you don't know what your ropes are rated, if you don't know where your carabiner is rated, if you don't know what your your pro is rated, your protective gear, then you you, you shouldn't be climbing. If you're going to go four-wheel driving into a really difficult position, you probably should have 
good tires, good clearance, maybe a winch, mm-hmm, probably a winch. If you go to a place where they're doing off-road driving and you get stuck and you can't winch yourself out, then you have no business being there. So if you know your equipment, please, you know, and it was something I just said the other day too. I said, you know, these people buy cheap stuff all the time. Why, why are you buying such cheap stuff? You know, let's, let's buy something that if it's going to save your life, mm-hmm. Go ahead and add that extra 10 or 15% and buy that Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I wish, you know, with all the, the information that's put out there today, you know, social media is huge for this kind of stuff and everything. But I can remember when I bought my first firearms, I was just blown away at the price of like an Aimpoint T2, right? I was blown away at the price of EOTX and stuff. And I'm like, there's no way, man. Like, I can't, you know, my first rifle was an MP15 uh, Sport 2, whatever. I'm like, I'm not spending $800 on an optic. I just spent $500 on the whole damn rifle. You know, I didn't know any better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's no um, joke. Right. Yeah. And you see guys and they, they put all over the place and then, you know, the community gets all toxic and stuff. It's like, well, dude, you bought a $25 optic off, you know, it's from China. That's going to break, you know, like it's a hard pill to swallow. $800 sucks. You know, like I get it, but more understanding around here's why this is important. Here's the context behind why these purchases make sense. Here's why you need to have this uh, this mindset and this this frame of reference when you're looking at all of these things. And then specifically after you even get away from the kit or, or before or whatever, why it's important to train. You know, I can't even tell you like you're you're talking about right. How many guys I know that carry guns daily? Oh yeah, I got my concealed carry permit. I carry at work every day. Can't hit shit. Or they buy some weird gun that you, you I would have never thought. Yeah, uh, I got a good friend, great guy, known him for 15 years. Awesome dude. Carries like a Kimber Kimber Micro 9, you know, nice. little, tiny little 1911 compact thing. And, yeah. uh, and I'm like, dude, why? Well, yeah, that looked cool. I was like, have you ever thought about buying a Glock? No. I'm like, well, maybe you should, man. I mean, they're a lot easier to, to fix when they break. I mean, they don't really break. They hold more ammo. Do you think about any of this? No, I just really like the way that one looks. I'm like, okay, man. <clears throat> cool. Cool. Good on you. Maybe you want to take a class. Here's a guy, you know? So if he's listening to this, you just threw him under the bus. But That's okay. Uh, <laughs> He'll understand. He's a good guy. He knows. Oh, the Micro 9 is a great gun. I mean, you kidding me? I mean, this is, you know, Kimber's a great frame. It's a great gun. Uh, I, I'm all about a hammer-fired gun. But to your point, this, you know, this particular gun is a Jeep, right? It's like a Jeep. The clock is like a Jeep. I don't, you know, a staccato or the STI back in the day, but, or, or whatever the Kimber might be, or you know, Ed Brown, or there's some Nighthawk, great guns, yeah. man. Yeah. Some Nighthawk is some great guns, but you know, if you're going to take them to the tactical games, you better make sure that uh, they can stand up to some dirt, some grime, some not cleaning them. I mean, they're again, these, I carry a Jeep pretty much. I carry six hour X carry pretty much everywhere I go. Um, I do have Glocks, but right now my X carry is my, my carrier yeah. choice, but God bless man. Just, yeah. I mean, Guess carry what? what you want, but, but I mean, a, it kills me when people say, well, it looks cool. I'm like, carry what you want. You like how it looks. I mean, you got to carry it. So cool. That's, that's like the number one bitch I hear from people. And like, well, Glocks are ugly. I'm like, I don't carry it. Cause it looks nice. I carry it. Cause it fucking works. That, that's just me personally. You don't like it. Check out a SIG. Uh, check out an M&P. Uh, I had one guy who, uh, a friend of mine, and he's he's like, I got to have an H&K. I'm like, are you sure? Oh, yeah, I, I, I have to. They look great. Have you ever shot one? No. All right, man. Do, do what you want. 
you could buy like three Glocks with that money. But if that's what you really want, because I mean, then at least just go, go train with it. Understand how it works. Understand what you're doing here. If you have the money, go out, rent one, shoot one. If you end up hating the thing because the trigger pull or something, then you actually save yourself some headache. Yeah. At least, you know, and go out and for the love of God, I mean, the amount of people that get their CPL and then they don't do anything with it. Um, it, it it's really upsetting when I have those conversations with people. Um, you know, I've, I've taken those classes and um, the whole concealed carry thing, it's a different beast. Um, and people don't realize like when you put yourself under stress, under pressure, trying to build time constraints and stuff, it's, you're not going to react the same way. And that's everything, everything I do in the end, you know, when we do, you know, the timer is one thing to add uh, mm-hmm. to stress. And we, we try to do that in our classes, but in the end, when we do a, uh, a culmination shoot, which you know, you're, you're putting in little bits every time. If So if we did six drills and throughout the day or whatever, and, and we'll include them all in the culmination shoot all under the rest, you know, if I'm here at trigger time, North Carolina, where I work here, um, I'm having them run at least hundred meters and maybe it's even 200 depends on if we go up and down the hundred meter range back and forth, but man, it's just, yeah, it, it's amazing. You know, when you say bring 40 rounds of ammunition with you and then they run out of ammunition before the course is over, you know, damn, bro, maybe I made it too hard for you because uh, we need to uh, probably, uh, I was like, anybody, anybody help him? Can anybody help him? You know, grab some ammo. Charity case over here. Yeah. (laughs) But that's true. It's stress inoculation, stress inoculation, stress inoculation. Can't have enough of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So visible with the woman. I don't remember her name. uh, Law enforcement officer who reached in the car and said, taser, 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 and ended up, uh, dr- you know, she drew a Glock. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking. Yep. Yeah. I remember uh, hearing and reading about that. Totally the unfortunate. The, the, the guy was, uh, without a doubt, I don't care who's listening to me, who you call me anyone. He was wrong. The guy was wrong. He was evading capture. Obviously he w- he had issues to evade capture. He was doing it on purpose. Um, he had warrants out for him, but she was totally out of her element. And then who, who do we blame on this? You know, I, I told a story, man, there's so many stories. There's so many, but um, uh, I did a pro bono work for 90 officers here locally. And uh, the one guy said, uh, you know, I've been shooting for 30 years. And I said, yeah, okay. You've been shooting for 30 years, but check this out. Your shock group at 20 meters is ginormous. So if you listen to me, if you put these things, I'm I'm, look, I'm not so full of, I'm not thumping my chest at you. I'm just telling you, if you put this into practice, Maybe we can get your shock group down. And then, you know, I ended up uh, bringing everybody in together on a break and telling them, I said, look, you know, I, I'm not thumping my chest here, but I'm just telling you, I train like this all the time. I said, how often do you get to train like this? One time a year was the answer. And that answer, Jesus. that answer dovetails into that's qualification day. That's all they get. You know, if they don't do it themselves, if they can't find themselves time to train and get it done, in the end, a lot of the constabularies across the United States are training one time a year and it's qualification day and it's nowhere near enough. And they just don't have, they don't have the, they, don't, they just don't have it, man. They, the, the constabularies won't give it. They don't have the taxpayer's money. Uh, funds aren't funneled to them this way. You know, if I wore the king mm-hmm. hat, I would. So how, how often, whatever military groups you're in, you have, you have a, you have a black cycle, you have a training cycle, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter what different these colors are or different things are, but there's a training cycle and then there's a deployment cycle. So there's guys that are out doing the thing. And then there's guys that are home training. 
And so could you possibly do this with law enforcement instead of defunding, refund so much that they have twice as many officers? If I have a constabulary with 40 officers, I make it with 80 and 40 are training while the other 40 are in the field, yeah. you know, but it's probably, that's probably a pipe dream. That's probably never ever or even possible. Get halfway there. Something, some kind of modified version of that idea. You know, we just had here at the beginning of the month, uh, well, here in Michigan, Grand Rapids, the other side of the state from where I'm at, um, very unfortunate incident with an officer involved shooting. Um, officer stopped the car, suspect gets out, which first there, okay, you, you're fucking up, dude, like stay in the car. Officer was very clear and get back in the car, get back in the car. Guys, like, I don't, I don't remember seeing if he was actually on something, but um, basically guy wouldn't give him his ID. Then he takes off running and he chases them. They go hand to hand, right? Officer gets the taser out. The guy grabs his wrist, right? Um, can't, can't successfully deploy the taser. Um, kind of long story short, they, they end up wrestling and he kind of ends up on a rear naked choke position sort of with the perp and ends up shooting him in the back of the head. Um, so a lot about it that wasn't ideal, right? Um, but there was a friend in the car. So a lot of things, you know, you look at social media comments and you got all the, you know, the, the woke warriors on their keyboard saying what the officer did was wrong and why and everything. But contextually, it's like, well, you don't know what the friend's doing. That's one. Um, and two, if we hadn't defunded the police department X amount of times over the last 30 years, maybe there's a second cop riding with them. Maybe that way they're both able to do this guy without usually lethal force. Um, maybe it never gets to that point. Training costs money. It's time, right? I have friends in law enforcement now that, you know, hey, uh, every six months I do 40 hours of jujitsu, which, or 24 hours, sorry, of jujitsu. Um, and that's as much as I can fit my schedule with other training I try to get done and everything, which is about a week out of the year I train in jujitsu, but it is what it is. And we, you know, I, I, it's totally undervalued, not necessarily in the community, the 2A space, I think, but I mean, in the public eye, people do not realize. You know, it's a depreciating skill, you know? No, it's not that. It's all of it. It's right. It's, it, yes, jujitsu. Yes, how to take down another person. Yes, how to com make people comply. Uh, but again, when like this cat, you know, how do you make him comply when he's, he's yeah. out of the car? He's already out of the car. I was blown away, man. And I'm so, I'm older, right? And I'm a, I'm a, I feel like I'm a dumbass. I was blown away by how many constabularies don't have two officers in a car. Well, yeah. One, hey, one makes none. Two make one, man. Always. That's this is that's this is common sense, you know. But it's man, oh man, oh man. It's again, no money. Uh, and then these cats too. You talk about training. So he's at yep. just twenty four hours. So that's like four days of six hour trainings or something like that. Something wherever, yes, we, wherever we can do that, right? And then uh, you know who's paying for that? Hopefully the department is. But if they're not, he's got to do it on its own. That's and they don't get they don't get yeah. paid a lot of money unless it's a really big metro. And even then, uh, the it, unless you're on a full time SWAT team, you're not getting a whole lot of training. You're just not gonna. <clears throat> and I don't know how many. I don't know what the the number is right now. But full time SWAT teams across the United States, there's not a whole lot. Uh, New York City, of course. New York, Chicago, Detroit, Miami, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, Houston uh la of course uh i don't know i just named seven uh yeah. i hope that uh clark county has one i hope that uh, you know las vegas has one but there's not that many full-time swat guys are not uh or they, they only cover you know one area i know the same friend the jujitsu one 
um, I think he's applying for the county SWAT team. Now he's a cop for a specific city here, um, but the the SWAT team responds to everyone in the county, obviously. And it's like, all right, um, why? Uh, I don't necessarily understand, you know. And it's I think it's just the resources are so thin. Um, he has to pay for most of his own training. I think they'll at least give him the time off when he needs it to go to classes and stuff, but he has to pay for his own stuff. Um, it's training is undervalued. Um, especially, and it's weird, you know, because liability is the name of the game. So you would, I mean, I had this conversation with, uh, Jared Arsenault from, uh, Orion training group a couple weeks back when I had him on the podcast. Great guy. Uh, spent a couple years in law enforcement down in, uh, Louisiana and, He's like, how many times a year do you have to take a don't rape anybody training at work? And I work in finance. So I have to take that <laughs> once a business quarter. And we're not even, I mean, and it's it's ridiculous. But then you look at something where it's a life or death situation like police uh, and law enforcement agencies. And it's once a year, we're going to train you guys on how to shoot. No mandatory uh, hand-to-hand training. Just the the weird things you hear, you know? I don't. I don't understand it. And, and even then to make that even further and, and worse is because um, this was something else I was going to ask about is we've had all these advancements in technology, right? A lot of these departments don't want to go to things like red dots on pistols. They don't want to have things like flashlights on the firearms because it looks too tactical. Uh, it sends the wrong message. Um, these are things that can help, you know, if you're going to reduce training times, then maybe you add some of these things to to help in other ways. Uh, it doesn't take the place of, obviously. No, 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 but. no. And RDS is a, I think RDS is a great place. Um, unbeknownst to everybody else listening to this, I just showed you an X carry with with a uh, Romeo on it. So mm-hmm. I have a red dot sight on my carry gun. Um, should you be good with irons first? I, I don't really care where that chicken egg argument comes from. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, because in the end, you have to pull the trigger without moving the gun and the, the pistol being the most unforgiving platform that there is, period. It's a, it's a whole different story now. But RDS, to me, for law enforcement is a I think it should be the norm because now I don't have to concentrate on the clear, crisp front sight post any longer. I can see the dot on where I want it and I can actually have more spatial and situational awareness around me because I see that the dot is still on that person. You can see other things and in your peripheral vision through that hood, you can still see other things with, if you really wanted to make a clear, crisp, clean shot, it is different with Ironside period. Now there are some professionals out there that are saying openly RDS is a bad idea. Again, for law enforcement, I do not think it is a bad idea. I don't think it's a bad idea, period. Um, it allows the shooter, in my opinion, uh-huh, it allows the shooter <laughs> to have more spatial situational awareness as he's doing the work. Um, it's it's uh, it's a funny thing. Flashlights. I, I tell you what, brother, I have an issue with flashlights on on firearms. Every time I see a, a NCIS show or whatever show that I mean, every time I just flip through the channels and see a, a stupid cop show where they're entering the room. And they don't have a flashlight on their gun, so they have to use this, you know, Harry's grip or some shit. One, one I don't yeah, know the one. I don't know the nomenclatures for these grips, but yeah. over, under, backwards, forwards, you know, you got to have a flashlight in one hand and a gun in the other. I'm like, why you don't have a light on your gun? 
But this is not the end all be all because so many guys have a lighter on their gun and they've been taught this fundamental of a master grip, right? Master grip, master grip, master grip. We all know that I think we all know, you know, the, uh, for, the, for the most part, the predominant grip comes from your non-firing hand. You know, your thumbs rest together, your non-firing hands rip, uh, gripped all the way around your firing hand, et cetera, et cetera. Blah, blah, blah. You're making that over-exaggeration pointing towards the target, blah, blah, blah. You're... But then if you don't have a, a trigger light on your light, you have to break that grip. You have mm -hmm. to break that master grip to activate the light. There are some, um, what I see, I saw somebody's making extension for lights. Um, for, for I think it's Emissary Development is the company that they're extending it so it comes closer towards where your support hand would naturally sit. This is, how long How long has this taken? Surefire has made Surefire trigger lights yep. forever. I mean, yep. we had them on our guns forever. And I preach that stuff and I, I don't get anything for Surefire. Surefire and I, we're, we're friends and all, but we don't have, I don't have any, any discount code or you, I, they don't get any money. Uh, <laughs> they don't give me any money, but man, I, I just, I don't understand it. How this is like a epiphany to me where you could just apply slight pressure in your firing hand that lights the light all the time, whenever you want it to. But dude, I'll tell you because of lack of training, I ran into, uh, if, if it was a light company in Vegas like three or four years ago when I went to SHOT Show. And I said, you guys not have a trigger light? And he said, no, we don't have that because we don't have the lawyers and the money to fight it because someone apparently that had a surefire trigger light or something like that lit up someone. And that put quotes around it, caused a sympathetic fire from another officer where the oh. light got on a guy and then the other officer shot him and then they blamed it on the, the, the light. trigger light, but not on training. You can't blame that on training. You can blame it on a piece of equipment, which of course doesn't make any sense. And anybody that's in the 2A community understands that guns don't kill people. People kill people. Right. right. No, I, it's, uh, flashlights are a weird thing. You know, um, it makes all the sense in the world to have them, but if you don't practice with it and you can do it, you know, dry, you can do it. Well, Hopefully you can get out to a range that lets you do it. Um, here in where I'm at, in like Metro Detroit, that's a problem. Our ranges don't let us do jack shit. Uh, you have to go to like a special training class or that lets you get into that. But um, yeah, light discipline. I've done it in rifle classes. Um, you know, I and you just get some shit, you get some rasm from the guys, but it's like, okay, fuck, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, but practice it. Deliberately work on the, the switch. And I know there's a lot of arguments now on pressure pads and what kind of switch and everything if you practice with it, I mean, train with it, it should get you there, but you can't let it go. Right. And I think that some people just don't want to work because it, it, it's difficult, right? It's like uh, you're training your mind more than you are training your mechanics. Well, you're adding, you're adding a variable to the yeah. action, the action itself. Right. So even if you came upon a target that is, or is not a, a perpetrator enemy target, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. uh, something that's going to hurt you and your family. So the mind is you're raising the rifle, you're gripping it. You have to have that muscle memory of where you're going to grip that thing every time so you can use the, the switches that you have, whether laser beam or light, whatever they may be, whether it's your top thumb, whether it's your non-firing fingers, doesn't matter where you put it. And then the whole psychological psychological movement of, I see that that's a potential threat. I'm raising my rifle. I'm rotating my selector lever. I'm on target with the light. Oh, it's a kid. I'm off. That that completes everything. All this, all these are parts that complete the end, which is right. the end is obviously taking the slack out of the trigger, breaking the trigger, 
and destroying that person that's trying to hurt you and your family. So that, that this, and where does this come from? I think this whole podcast is about training now. So that's where it comes from. It's all about training. You have to have that. That's like how many times, I don't know if you've seen it before or not, but there, there are constabularies out there that will stack at the door and they'll rotate the selector lever to fire before they walk in. Uh, that it's doesn't. Happened. I've seen it happen in military circles. I've seen it happen in constabularies. I'm like, what are we doing? There's nothing there. Why are we rotating the selector lever already? So, you know, it's a, uh, it does happen. It is a thing. And it's, uh, it's all about training and, and not just training. It's the correct training. And I, you know, I'm not that guy either that goes, oh, 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 it's my training or no training. That's ridiculous, right? You, you, there's plenty yeah. of dudes out there that can do it, but you have to sift through it and figure it out. But come on, man, you, you have to understand the whole psychological, that whole movement is your head and your fingers and the, oh, okay, never mind. It's not a target. It is a target. And go from there. And then there's like discipline on top of that, right? You have a switch. Mm-hmm. Right now, I have a switch. I saw a guy the other day turns his pistol light on. He runs forward. He turns his pistol light on, and then he then he got it running around. And it's always on. I'm like, why aren't you turning it off? Yeah. Partly, partly he's not turning it off because he doesn't have a light switch, so he has to manipulate that thing with his non-firing hand all the time. And now, once he's left that target area, right? And now he's running. However, he runs at temple index or compressed ready whatever he's doing, he's doing. Yeah. yeah he's just all the lights flashing around so technically you know from a tactical standpoint in my world light goes on to shoot light goes off to do whatever else you want to do yeah so you're not you're not you're not showing everyone including the enemy where you are yeah i mean it's, and and that's another thing too you're starting to see more i think with kind of something else that i wanted to talk about is like social media and some of the things it's helping disseminate but um it's just signature reduction in general I think it's a concept, you know, you're talking about uh, at the very beginning, right? Val Kilmer and Heat, nobody's shooting at him. And most of us right now are training. We don't, we've never had people shooting at us or when we practice and train, we're not having someone shoot at us. So it's one of the things you don't realize because you're not looking at yourself, obviously, that having that light on the whole time is just like a huge beacon, obviously, like here I am, shoot at me. Um, you know, I, I feel like you're, you're finally starting to see some of that kind of thing discussed uh in some parts of social media and the community and and things um and it's like it's such an obvious bit right but if you don't get out and and realize that right have somebody pointing a gun at you with a light on all the time and you make that a to b connection in your brain like oh i should shut my light off because then they won't know where i'm at how do we stop this training yes but what simunitions utms what, you know, so now let's go ahead and go to a higher level and train with UTMs. Let's train with Sims because I can guarantee you when you do dry fire CQB, everybody's perfect. Then when you, <laughs> then when you yeah. add Sims in a one-way gunfight, Sims to paper, things change. They really do. The, some shooters will be really, uh, you know, I don't want to shoot because I heard from a guy. I said, hey, I want you to cross cover. He said, what if I shoot my buddy? So the, the correct answer no, is don't, don't do that. <laughs> your buddy. So again, that's a whole psychological process, right? So I'm going to raise my rifle. I'm seeing what I'm seeing, rotate the selector lever. Oh, it's, it's my buddy. Let's go ahead and come off of that. But this, the, then when you change from Sims to live fire, it changes again. And then when you go back to Sims in a force on force environment, it changes again. And it's very interesting. You can't, 
to me, the, the simunitions and UTMs are such a great training tool. I will help any constabulary, guys like me. If you want to do really well in this kind of environment, close quarter battle environment, mm-hmm. sims, sims, baby. And you get some op four involved, you get some sims involved, and it's man, I, I tell you what, it's uh, it's a game changer. And I hate saying stuff like game changer, but that's a funny. No, thing but I mean, say, oh, it's a game changer. It is. I mean, you have, you have people shooting back at you. I mean, yep, it's... you finally see that. And so I, I'm telling you, and everybody knows the Sims, it's not going to hurt you. Well, I mean, it's going to hurt, but yeah. it may leave a welt, but it's not yeah. going to kill you. And people will dive out of the way. They will not even stay there and pull security and or shoot at all. They're, as soon as somebody starts shooting them, they're out, you know? So this shows you where you need to be, right? But in a, the more training you do, of course, they stay. Uh, but God bless, man. It's just, it, it is a funny thing. And it's, yeah. uh, there's a crawl walk run, just like any, any other training to do. And it's, uh, it's really important that, that officers, military folks, whoever thinks they're going to be involved in this gets involved in uh, CQB training. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so jumping back to the, the social media bit, right. Um, something else I want to ask about, cause I'll be honest, my first, uh, I guess, exposure to your teaching um, or, or to you in general was when you did the video with, uh, the gentleman at carry trainer on the one man, uh, CQB, uh, uh, home clearing bit and everything. So, um, with the, the ever growing, right. Access to information on social media, be it YouTube or Instagram or podcasts like this and stuff. Um, we have the access, uh, do you think it's working? Do you think that you're, when you're seeing students, whether it's military, law enforcement, civilian, are, are those skills really getting better due to what kind of content's being put out there on the social media side or no, it it doesn't ever come from content. You, it doesn't ever come from content. It's got to come from someone being with you, being embedded. And then the the training, the training aspect of it, it would be virtually impossible to, Man, I would say it's virtually impossible to, you can't get better just through video. You know what I mean? You yeah. have to do it with someone who understands what that is like as a mentor slash, you know, trainer, coach, mentor. It's just, it, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's a valid question though. And I'm still searching for a better answer. So to even, to even satisfy your yeah. question by, by saying, you know, does it, is it getting better? Oh man. And it's just, it's one of those things, you know, with any, I think with any kind of teaching and for better or for worse, right. Technology, social media has given everybody a platform. Um, and you see a lot of these guys, I'm not going to say any names, but a lot of these guys get a lot of love, they get a lot of attention. They got huge followings and I'll do, I'll teach you how to be a good shooter or some, some guys run classes and stuff and they've never really been in there contextually, or maybe they've been in the military, but it was in some kind of adjacent role. They never saw any combat or anything like that um which doesn't necessarily mean that they would be a bad teacher but i think that it kind of reasserts the point that you need to do your homework on who you're taking classes from right um and even just because someone has done something right you've been in 150 different gunfights you can be a great gunfighter a great shooter doesn't mean you're gonna be a great teacher you know um, completely concur. Completely and that's, concur on both of those. Yep. You could be someone who's never seen a, a gunfight or uh, whatever, but you could be somebody who is a great teacher and maybe a shot competitively or something. So 
kind of people need to be a little bit smarter, I think, you know, and in, in how they decide who they want to learn from and what. Not not just, hey, I learned, you know, I talked to Dutch and now now I know everything and I'm good. No, I mean, what are you trying to learn? If it's, you know, uh, competition speed shooting, who's the best person to go to for that? If you're trying to learn CQB, who's good people to go to for that? Yeah, yeah. These idiots on social media, and I say this totally self-deprecating, you know, like, <laughs> why why are they worth listening to? You know, do your homework, understand it. I think that, like I said, for all the good and all the bad, social media puts a lot more access to information out there. Hearing you say that it doesn't seem like people are actually showing up in better condition for training and stuff, which leads me, it proves the point, right? Like there's no substitute for actual training. Well, let's, first of all, there's no, there's no substitute for actual training. And then you have to dedicate yourself to those, those moments. Right. And that's, that costs time. It costs obviously it costs money Yeah. Uh, then material. So it costs your, your targetry, your ammunition, your cleaning of the thing that has to keep working all the time when you want mm-hmm. it to. I mean, it's just, that's time, money, it, that's everything. So I completely understand that there are, and then oh, on top of that, before I completely understand everything, I completely understand that whole issue because this Jill or Bob, they're, a medical service provider. They're a lawyer. They're a they're a family person. They have a, they have a yard to pick up. They have dogs to look after. They have they have wives. They have children. They have husbands. They have uh, kids. They have other issues. They have the PTA. They have the homeowners association. I mean, you oh, add it. Yeah. I mean, there's dude, there's everything, right? Yeah. Oh, my car broke down yesterday, uh, or whatever it may be, right? So there are the septic system went out. It doesn't matter. There, there are life provides us with many, many challenges. Now, so how can we be well rounded in some of these? Man, it's it's certainly difficult for the regular folks out there to to sift through and find out who's who. Um, especially when there are friends of mine who along with me, we don't talk about, well, what's the first rule of fight club? <laughs> you don't talk about fight club. Yeah. We don't talk about fight club. So there's a whole lot that, you know, we don't talk about. So it's a, it's, it's, man, it's hard. Um, it's hard for the law enforcement officers, you know, especially if, if someone like me or of course the show's about me right now. So it's me, but that, and I, I don't mean it to, to I don't want to sound like that, but if, if you want to learn more about dynamic close quarter battle, you know, please look us up and we'll figure it out. But how, how do you even find me to a guy who doesn't want to talk about fight club and it doesn't want to, you know, I hate social media. I hate the YouTubes and stuff like that, but guess what? I'm going to have to do it. Otherwise people don't come and sit in the yeah. seats. So, um, you know, this thing at the sawmill, I'm doing a thing, uh, in middle May and at the sawmill in Lawrence, South Carolina. And man, oh man, it's, I'm, I want 20 people. I've got like three. So it's a grind. Be, yeah, there's gonna be a time here we're gonna have to shut it down and not have it at all, you know. Uh, but that's a everything's a challenge. You know? So we don't ask, we don't ask for a great life. We ask uh, the the ability to to fight through the challenges of a of a good life, you know. So that's that's where I am right now. So, uh, but in, in I don't know if we satisfy the any kind of question or if we're just musing uh, right now. I don't know where we are, but no, I mean I think we're we're kind of addressing the 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 overall concept you know i mean 
I think that for what the community's at right now, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of shit out there, you know, and it is, it's tough. It is real tough to find good training, good resources, um, good people to work with, learn from, even just to talk to, you know, honestly, um, it, it's difficult. You know, I, I've been shooting for eight years just about. And, um, I didn't actually get out and take my first class until this is embarrassing, honestly, uh, middle of last year, I, I didn't know that there were facilities in, in my state that offered any kind of real instructional training beyond like a CPL course, you know, tons of hunter safety options. You want to learn how to, you know, shoot at distance, you know, like you're deer hunting. Um, I found a place in Ann Arbor, got a great instructor. They, they bring in outside, uh, staff and everything to do, to run classes to their facilities. Found out now they're looking at expanding and building like a, basically like a warehouse uh, for lack of a better term next to the building. So they can do more dynamic training and stuff. Um, but I, I've actively been looking into these things and, and searching and, and stuff. And it took me six years to even find out the Ann Arbor arms existed. Check. And then another year to find out, Hey, their head instructors, you know, uh, guy named Robbie Torres, uh, Ranger qualified infantryman has done some like, uh, personal protection work and, uh, law enforcement SWAT and everything. So a an, an, uh, well-rounded breadth of experience. And I go, okay, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go take a class. Like, I don't know anything about this place. I've never been there. It's an hour from my house, uh, but I'm going to do it, you know, fuck it. Right. Nice. Um, and <laughs> instantly, instantly realized how much worse off I was than I thought I was, um, <laughs> just by adding context and not even just stress. Right. Um, you know, and you see guys on, on Instagram and social media and like, yeah, no, you can do all these you can do speed reloads and you can do all this stuff. I'm like, dude, the speed reloads are overrated. I, it really, it, you want speed, get behind some cover with speed. Um, that's, that's, I think what's impressive. Uh, I know I sure as shit didn't I'm like, I got to think about the reload. I got to think about getting behind the cover. Where's my muzzle pointed? What am I doing next? Um, it's a lot and people don't think about it that way. Uh, you know, I, I love what you're saying there because I, I would love to address all those. I mean, I'd love to have you come down and train with us because this this is right here. I'm showing everybody uh, that you can't see. Um, this is what makes the gun go bang, right yep. here. That's it. Doesn't matter where your muscles pointed. You know, so we we go over the big four every time we start a class, and you know, we talk about the big four. Don't point your weapon at something you don't intend to destroy. Uh, do law enforcement officers point weapons at people that don't want to destroy all the, all the time, time. Yep. all the time. Yeah. If you decide to have a gun at your bedstand and it's got a, maybe it's got a cool surefire flashlight on, and then you hear a noise and you pick this thing up and you start moving towards the noise in your kitchen and you flash that light on it, your guns pointed at it. And it turns out to be your, your 14 year old cousin from across the street who really wanted a hot pocket. <laughs> uh, or yeah. whatever it may be right so right, now, right, right. but but you're pointing at this because that's important your finger is what makes the gun no bang the finger is attached to the mind the gunfighter mindset starts the whole process so if if we could go there first right you talked about ccp and uh, there's other words there's other ways to, to say cover concealed uh, licensed ccls or whatever else but yeah not cover, not cover concealed. What, I'm, here I'm concealed carry permit or uh, concealed Thank pistol you. license. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, 
how do we get a license when we drive? We take the class, take the test and take the class. We drive, we drive with instructors. Maybe we drive with our mothers and fathers. We drive long before we ever take the test here in most States. And I love 2A. don't get me wrong. And I, I would never mess with anybody's constitutional right to carry a weapon, but we don't do it that way. We, yeah. we say, take this class and you've taken that class before. And it's probably, it's probably shite, honestly, in the end. It's, it's yeah, in terms of actual accurate, in terms of actual shooting, my instructor literally took what he uh this that hmm, that round black target was a B5 target or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Took so one of those. A Q target. If people say it's a Q. Yeah, it's he call target. He walked it out like 10 feet, turned it around, and then stapled up on the target. I go, what you what are you doing? You just need to put 10 rounds on the paper or 20 rounds on the paper and you're good. I'm like, not even half a box. At ten feet, like, dude, I suck, and I can, and I, and I did it. You know, uh, nobody failed that day, um, which was surprising. I'm like, uh, and good guy, you know, former law enforcement was actually uh, training sergeant for one of the local law enforcement agencies. Again, super nice guy. Sold me my very first gun. Um, you know, I took the class, with my dad, and my brother, and everything. I, I was absolutely shocked for the six and a half hours we spent in a class watching stupid ass NRA videos and workshopping situations and stuff together we get out to the range and about an hour we're done like yeah, i said done. how many rounds did you fire 30 50 less 20 50, right 20 because i didn't miss yeah so <laughs> so and it, it, so that's a funny thing so how how you know how is this i don't know how this happens but it, it is uh, you know there's there should be a uh, maybe there could be a different way you know uh, you can bark at me if you want to you listen to this i don't care but in the end you know we need to be more proficient so so my opinions, right? Come see guys like me. Come see a class. Go come see, come to the Gunfighter Awakens. Come to the the or my little bit more than a beginner's class on, you know, your your firearm and figure it out before you go take a class, and you'll be better off for it. So, you know, but it is what it is, brother. It is what, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's the what's the other one? What's the other one? Um, uh, part of the big four that I have issues with the uh, keep your finger flattened off the trigger till it's time to do have an acceptable sight picture. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think that's entirely true either, especially if you're a comp- uh, competitive shooter or you're a military guy or a law enforcement guy. Once you know that there's a threat in front of you and you're pulling your pistol to go to work, mm-hmm. you can start taking the slack out of that pistol when you know there's a work area when there's nothing. One of the most important rules of the big four is know what's in front of and behind your and that's target, tough right? that's, that's a big tough. one that's a big one for me i that that's one of the most important ones period yeah you know know that every gun is loaded yeah sure fine let's that's, pretend like it is yep. and number two is know exactly what's in front of and what's around your target i can't tell you how many times i've seen regular infantrymen doing a um, like a, a man a man down drill when you have a, a bad guy down and you're mm-hmm. you know you're you're you're, you're gonna what am I talking about? Like a POW drill where, you know, hands out in front of you, whatever else, you know, spin around this way, that way. You have one guy who's covering the body. You have one guy who's searching the body for bombs, weapons, whatever. Yeah. Same thing with a police officer. Right. And they'll stand there. They'll just stand there. And the shooter, right. The would be shooter, the cover guy, uh, it doesn't move his battlefield in his little mind. That's all I'm doing is I'm just going to cover. Meanwhile, the searcher might be, in his way right he may be masking that that potential victim potential perp 
with uh, with his own body. I'm like, come on, man, your battlefield can move. You know, you don't have to understand that your battlefield moves. So it's the same thing like you were talking about before with uh, magazine changes and stuff. So, you know, do I need to get the cover right now? Uh, The battlefield can move. You can move on the battlefield. Right. So that's a that's a funny thing. It's all training, 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 training. You know, and it, and it turns into very quickly, at least, uh, training scars. You know, the whole don't put the finger on the trigger, it's ready to go. Well, uh, as a concealed carrying civilian, right? If you're drawing your firearm, um, why wouldn't you put your finger on the trigger? You know, if you know that you're going to have to use this, that's why it's coming out in the first place. Presuming that you're, you know, a responsible gun owner and you know your shit and you know, you know, at least some kind of method of escalation, try and walk it out, try and talk out whatever's going on. If you're at the point where you have to pull out the gun, right? Why would you wait to put your finger on the trigger? And I never thought about it that way. I took a concealed carry tactics class. Uh, I made my wife come with me because she carries. And it was one of those things. It's like, you know, I never thought about it that way. Like, shit. You know, and we're working on drawing with uh, from concealment, right? And how fast you can you can draw from concealment, present, and get a shot on target at like five yards, easy, right? And <clears throat> hanging people up, myself included, because you're drawing, presenting, and fingers not on the trigger. Well, why not? Like until you have an acceptable sight picture. That's what they. That's, yeah, you're exactly right. So don't get ingrained to that. There are, but again, we that the whole psychological piece. You have to be able to know there are times where you can do this, and there's times that you cannot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot to it, for sure. So, um, to kind of wrap up here, because we're kind of getting up to it, um, where can where can our listeners find you if they want to if they want to know more about you, if they want to get in touch uh, to take a class, sign up yeah, for thanks, some of your Austin, curriculum. Yeah. So I am Dutch Chris Moyer and it's DutchChrisMoyer.com. It's that's so easy, right? DutchChrisMoyer.com. When my partner said to me, he said, we need a domain name. And I said, yeah, whatever. I mean. <laughs> and he was, hey, how about DutchChrisMoyer.com? That's, that's available. Like, use my name. Yeah. How about that? Let's use my name. So yeah, DutchChrisMoyer.com. You'll find everything there. Uh, we have stuff for the warfighter. We have stuff for the uh, gunfighter. Uh, and when I say warfighter, I mean military folks and or law enforcement as, as opposed to uh, open enrollment stuff. We have it all there. We even have a shop, strangely. Uh, uh, Dust Chris Moyer Actual is where you find me on IG and uh, the Facebook, which I don't I don't run the Facebook. I let somebody else do that. So uh, Dust Chris Moyer Actual and IG, DutchChrisMoyer.com. And then there's Dutch Chris Moyer on the YouTube as well. That's it. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate it. This has been awesome. Thank um, you, I appreciate you know, it. You're a, a wealth of knowledge and anybody listening, um, sign up and take a class, man. Like you clearly know what you're talking about. Um, we didn't even get into, uh, into everything, you know, we have uh, a lot to get into. We got a lot to yeah. get into, but Hey, and tell you folks too. So your folks in your area, for instance, I've been up to Michigan before, been up to Chicago land area, but what I usually do is, you know, I want to do a 10 or 12 people to one. That's the best ratio that I find mm-hmm. is best for students to shoot on their own. And it's also good for student to teacher ratio. So I'll do 10 or 12. But if, if you have cats up there that want a course to get together and you can find 11 participants or nine participants, whatever, or even seven or eight, whatever, if you can find some participants, then you're that, that person who does the work, his course fee is waived and then and, uh, and I'll, I'll come up and do the rest. Right on, right on. So definitely something to think about. Absolutely. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate Thanks, the time. Austin. I know you're doing a ton. Thank All you. right. Take care, sir. Cheers, man.
there you guys go. That was my discussion with uh, with with Dutch Moyer. Uh, Dutch is a great guy. Um, you know, he's done a lot of stuff out there in the the real world. You know, um, still a very very approachable guy. Um, we had a, I, I thought it was a great conversation. If you guys want to know more about Dutch, and I encourage you to look into him, uh, DutchChrisMoyer.com is his website for DCM Consulting. Um, I'm certainly going to see what I can do to try and get him up here into the, uh, the old mitten state, uh, to, to do a class. Um, you know, guys with, with Dutch's level of experience and knowledge, um, there's something to be said for that, you know, and, and being able to learn from those dudes who've been out there and, and practice what a lot of us are practicing, uh, real world or executed, I guess, cause it's not really practice, but, um, <clears throat> you know, they're, there's not a whole lot of real dudes out there willing to share their knowledge with, uh, with you and I, you know, people that want to be well-prepared. So, uh, I think it's awesome that, uh, that's how he's decided he's going to spend his life right now running a training company and teaching idiots like me, uh, how to be, how to be better men and, uh, and better prepared. So yeah, uh, uh, Dutch Chris Moyer actual on Instagram. Check out his Instagram page. I know he was just doing some stuff with uh, Panio Productions, uh, which another great group of guys that have done a lot of DVDs. Um, you know, a lot of people think DVDs are dying out. Blu-ray didn't kill them. You know, so uh, another great company doing a lot of awesome stuff. I, I highly encourage you guys to check them out. I have a couple of those DVDs as well that were uh, very formative for me in my earlier years, um, but. I can't say enough nice things about Dutch. It was awesome. We had, you know, we continued our conversation kind of off the record and off the recording and just, uh, you know, great dude. Uh, one of the things I absolutely love about this podcast is the the networking and the the relationships that I, I get the privilege to build with, with people like this, with uh, quality, quality character and, uh, and, and real great, just, just great people. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, it was pretty fun for me. So we're going to have more of this stuff. You know, we're working hard to line up uh, great guests, um, you know, and, and bring them onto the podcast here to share their experiences, their thoughts, their information with with you all, you know, our listeners. If you guys aren't already following us, um, hit us up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Give us a follow, man. Help us get those numbers up. Uh, help us do more uh, with what we got. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to keep cranking out more content for you guys and have more of these awesome discussions. Uh, so I hope you guys learned some things. I certainly did. Uh, and like I said, we'll have more to come in the future. That's all I got for you this week though. Uh, so you guys, uh, thanks again for tuning in and until next time you get out there, work hard, train smarter. And like we always say here, be prepared. Be prepared.